You're listening to Soul Talk for Black Folks podcast with your hosts, licensed marriage and family therapists, wives, mothers, and soul sisters, Latoya Chithon and Sarah Harris. Each episode, these ladies bring you empowering and uplifting messages focused on helping you improve relationships with yourself and others while destigmatizing mental health in the Black community. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking mental health treatment. Now grab some coffee or a cup of tea and get comfortable. Less soul talk. This is episode 13, Soul Talk with Lynn Sturdivant, Divorce Recovery. Folks, today we will be hearing from Lynn Sturdivant. He is a relationship coach who has a bachelor's and master's in psychology from North Carolina Central University with honors. He has worked towards the completion of his doctorate in marriage and family therapy and is finalizing his doctoral degree. He has conducted several workshops and conferences on relationships and hosted panel discussions on marriages and divorce. The main focus of Lynn's work is a relationship family coaching and divorce interventions. He has over 10 years of experience and several publications in the field of marriage and family relationships. Folks, let's buckle up because we are in for some real talk about divorce. Welcome, Lynn. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, Lynn, we are so happy to have you here to talk about such an important topic. But before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, my name is Leonard Sturdivant. I am a professional life coach. I specialize in relationships, uh, couples is my main lane. I do some individual and some family, but my mainstay is uh, the relationship between couples, married couples, divorcing couples, and people who want to keep the spark alive in their marriage. Keep a spark alive in their marriage. Yes. It helps. Yes. <laughs> you know, I love that one of the very first things that a visitor reads on your website is learn how to love yourself first. Please tell our listeners why this is so important when it comes to finding a partner. The end result of loving yourself is to be at peace. Mm-hmm. You can't really be in a love relationship until you first know how to love yourself. If I don't know how to love myself, I will make you take care of me. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take you off on another branch of this tree. So um, there are pillars to, uh, oh, three of them. Uh, The pillars of loving yourself is the ability to say no, Mm -hmm. the ability to put yourself first, and the ability to draw a boundary. Those are really a sense because you have to safeguard your, your, your personhood. And I know a lot of codependents out there that have a really hard time saying no, and they do it grudgingly, and, but they won't let anybody help them. So in terms of loving myself, I need to know how to love myself so that I can let other people help me as well, because it's, it's comprehensive. Yes. Then we actually open up ourselves to being loved. Correct. Yes. I like those three pillars. You said the ability to say no, mm-hmm. the ability to put yourself first, like nothing's wrong with that. And then the ability to draw boundaries or to set boundaries. Got it. 
Yeah. Many times in our society, these things can be seen as selfish or we shouldn't be doing it, but they're actually very, very healthy to do for ourselves and then for the relationship. Right. You can't have intimacy without equity. So if we both have the same kinds of experiences and and Mm. our relationship is here, I'm not dating up, you're not dating down. If we're right here in the middle, here's where intimacy is achieved, right here in the middle. And you get little subtle swings, but you don't get these really big asymmetrical, really Mm -hmm. wild swings. Yes. You can't have intimacy without equity. Yes. I like that quote. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So if I date up, I'm a saint. I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to say everything right because I know you're out of my league. I'm going to hold the door open. I'm going to get the check. I'm going to be on time. I'm going to really put forth an effort to impress you. Right. If I date down, I'm kind of a jerk. You know, why are you calling me? Why are you sweating me? I'm coming when I'm coming. I'll get there when I get there. Just chill. Yeah. I'm dating down. Not a good one. There's no effort. Yeah. It sounds like um, it's just really an unequal investment, you know, in that, in the relationship and um, really not really having the same desire to put the same effort forth to, to make it work. That part. Yeah. Gotta have it. Yeah. Gotta have it. <laughs> reciprocity. Reciprocity is key. So if I put forth that kind of effort, it should come back to me. Mm-hmm. If I'm the one who's doing all the output and nothing's coming back to me, the relationship goes asymmetrical and we're going to have problems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. <laughs> so Lynn, we actually posted in our Facebook group to ask our community if uh, they had any questions for you about divorce recovery. And one of the things that came up is what is post-romantic stress disorder and how do you reconcile it? Post-romantic stress disorder occurs when those hormones wear off, dopamine, oxytocin, vasopressin, epinephrine, all of those love hormones, when they Mm -hmm. start to fade, then you feel like you're not getting as much as you got when you initially started the relationship. And so you start to question things. You know, the the sex was amazing. It was bonding. You use sex for love. If you use sex for love, then post-traumatic stress disorder is going to be a real thing because sex is not, sex is about mm, 20% of a relationship. Mm-hmm. The other 80% of the relationship is agape love or mature love. Uh, sex is eros. And you can't, you can't, if the foundation of your relationship is 20% is based on sex, uh-huh. it's going to have a really short lifespan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It'll be withering away quickly. Yeah. Well, Mature love is uh, one of the aspects of mature love is vertical intimacy. You know, mm-hmm. h- how well do we get along on our feet? Mm-hmm. Horizontal mm-hmm. intimacy is easy. Vertical intimacy, that's that 80%. That's that mature love. You know, it's the manifestation of love languages. Mm-hmm. Time, touch, affirmation, gifts, right. service. Those are, yeah. those are aspects of vertical intimacy. So basically after the honeymoon phase is, you know, something that a lot of people reference after the honeymoon phase of a relationship, that's kind of when that post-romantic stress disorder may start to creep up. Correct. Uh, Mm. The literature seems to suggest that that's going to wear off right around at the end of nine months. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. (laughs) Interesting timing there. The timing is really like, yeah, now we're having a baby. What do you mean you don't love me? So, yeah. uh, 
<laughs> yeah. That's that's a we could do a whole show on that. That's that's right. <laughs> yes. So how do you reconcile it? You have to begin to address the inner child that you didn't get what you needed when you were growing up. So if I don't reconcile my inner child, then I don't know how to love myself. I'm going to make you take care of me. I'm going to try to, my brain is going to try to get you to finish what I started in childhood. So the theory has it that we are attracted to people who remind us of the parent that gave us the hardest time. So if I'm attracted to that person, I'm I'm trying to get a need met. I'm not in love. I'm trying to show people that I'm worthy of love because I didn't get it in my family. It's a big difference when I get married. If I'm in love, it's beautiful. But if I if I'm getting married to show everybody this thirty thousand dollar wedding and how fabulous my gown is, how fabulous my tux is, and all these accoutrements of of, of weddings, uh, then I'm just it's just for show. And and it will show up right around the time those hormones start to wear off. All of those things are going to creep in. Because all of your childhood stuff shows up in a relationship. And it's usually right after you say, I do. It's not a coincidence that many people feel like things change right after a marriage. Oh, yeah. You know, because that's when a lot of these things are showing up. All of the unresolved childhood trauma. Because then we're getting triggered and we're not aware of why we're getting triggered. But it's usually because of a lack of healing from childhood trauma. Absolutely. And it manifests the the only place to discharge that energy is in a relationship. We got injured in a relationship. We have to turn to a relationship to get healed. And you hear people, oh, I can do it on my own. I can can be strong. I can learn how to love myself. You can. But when your tire hits the road, you're going to need the experience of a relationship to kind of culminate all those things that you learned by yourself. Yes. Yes. This, we can have a whole uh, episode just on this topic. In exactly. child work. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's bring it to the Black community here. So we'll talk for Black folks. How common is divorce in the Black community? You know, divorce is tricky in the Black community because Black people really don't get divorced. So. <laughs> right. And you know this because, you know, they just kind of drift apart. You know this when, when somebody dies and they have a lot of property or assets. And then all of a sudden, all of these relatives come up to see what they can get. Because, A, they didn't have a will. B, they didn't really want to get divorced because, you know, divorce costs money and all that stuff. I can just move on the other side of town and avoid you. So, uh Divorcing the black community is kind of tricky. It's I like to think that it's trending downward, but you know we're we'll, we'll see. It's 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 been pretty steady, probably around 40 ish percent, forty forty five percent. Yes, yeah. yeah, and I think religion and faith might be playing a role in it too, mm-hmm. because for many it's still well, considered a sin. It is. But the church and religion and the black community is rapidly changing, even as we speak. Uh, the, the standards that our parents, our grandparents had can no longer be superimposed onto this time frame because what worked way back then isn't really applicable right now. So 
uh, where we're kind of redefining what love relationship and, and religion is looking like in the black community. Yeah. And, you know, two things came up for me, Lynn, as you, as we were talking about this is um, as far as the, the idea that a lot of people don't get divorced. Um, I think another thing that can cause someone to get divorced is when they want to meet someone else and they want to get married. I know a lot of people find out that, oh, you're, you're still married to your ex-wife. I, I thought that you guys were divorced already. And I think that's something that happens very often yes. in our community. Yes. Yeah. Usually with older, older couples, usually. Yeah. 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 The young ones just, just, you know, go ahead and just pull a trigger on getting a divorce. But, you know, if 81% of children grow up without a father in the house, meaning I never saw a man love my mama mm-hmm. or for a girl child, I never saw a man love my mama. So the conceptualization of marriage, there's no prototype. There's no, mm-hmm. there's nothing there. You know, so you only have 25% of kids, black kids, who are growing up with mama and daddy in the house in a loving relationship. Wow, that's a low number. It is. Yeah, really high percentage of folks who are coming out. Um, Because especially with my male clients, and I take a little extra time with my male clients, because they didn't have the father figure in their life. I got to look at how were they raised, you know. Were you spousified by mom? Meaning you became mom's little mate. And so his conceptualization of, of being in a relationship with another woman is based on, you know, what he has with his mom. That's, that, that's going south really quick. So it's, uh, part of, you know, that kind of relationship is a meshment, you know, being spousified is a meshed and, and trying to yank somebody out of their enmeshment is trying to pull them out of homeostasis. And, and that, that is the culprit in a lot of our interactions is, you know, I like things at a steady state. So I was this way growing up. So I'm going to find a partner that will accommodate me. Yeah. So if I was a superstar growing up or the caretaker or one of those mm-hmm. false roles that I fall into as a kid, um, I'll, that that'll manifest in in the relationship. It, it's it's not it's not a good look because it's a false self. So when yeah. I ask people, "How do you love yourself?" I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yes, your, your authentic self is beside you, mm-hmm. and 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 everybody is into this false self. The false self is what you mean. This is my representative, right? Um, you know how I interface with the world, but yeah. in the meantime, my authentic self is getting angrier and angrier and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> comes right. out. Yeah. And over time we lose touch with it more and more and more. And that's why when you ask, how do you love yourself? People are at a loss of words. Yeah. They, they don't have their, I've never really thought about it. And when I hear people say, I never really thought about it because this false role is what the family identified me with. So if I'm a caretaker or especially if I'm a superstar, my family likes me better when I'm the superstar. So I bring honor into the family. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, a list. I'm the lawyer, I'm the doctor. I bring all this honor to the family and that's what they know me for. So I've internalized that role. That's all I yeah. know. So when I show them my authentic self, they don't want to deal with that. Like, Oh no, you, you, you want to, you listen to country music. What? No, <laughs> we don't listen to country music right here. You know, so, 
that's not going to be accepted. So in order for me to get love from my family, I have to stay in this role. See, this is why therapy is so important. This is why it's so important to go and sit down, talk to someone, you know, and find out more about what's really going on. You know, where Mm -hmm. is this coming from and what kinds of things from my past are still creeping up? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The the second thing that I thought of on this question was, um, I bet the divorce rate probably also greatly um, correlates with the marriage rates too. You know, how often are people getting married in the black community and how does that play into, um, you know, the divorce rate as well? Well, it, it, a lot of it has, some of it has to do with SES, socioeconomic status. If, if I, if I grew up with parents who are educated and, 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 you know, probably middle income, I'm, I'm going to have a different set of values than someone who's growing up single parent, you know, low SES or low, low to no education. So it, it really depends on what, what strata I kind of fall into. If you look at cohorts within middle class, upper class, and, and, and lower classes, if you were to take those cohorts, those that data would, would be very different in, in terms of trajectory. Yeah. Okay. So, Lynn, can you tell us some myths about divorce that we might hear in the Black community? Uh, there's a lot of truth in <laughs> a lot of truth in myths. Uh, the, the one where we don't get divorced. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't get divorced. You know, we, we talked about getting divorced, but we don't. We don't get divorced, and then somebody dies. You know, everybody kind of comes up. That's one of the myths. Um, there's so many myths in the black community. You know, yeah, oh, the association of uh, abuse with love. If, if your man don't hit you, then he don't love you. You believe that is still pervasive. If you don't, if you're not in conflict with one another. There's no love there. I've associated abuse with love, but love shouldn't really hurt. So I've had a number of clients in which we have to separate abuse from love. Yes. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. That is a that's a huge one that 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 love has to hurt. That made me think of another myth, which is all men cheat, right? For many, mm-hmm. many women, that's for them that's a fact and they accept it as part of their relationship. Well, it's it's I look at it in terms of triangulation. So if, if, if I'm starting to suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, I may bring in a third party to take some of the heat off of the dyad. That's the triangulation. So if I bring in a third party who's going to give me all the, all the kudos and all the attention that I'm not getting from my spouse, I don't want to leave my spouse. I just need a quick jolt of... <laughs> whatever. And sometimes it's sex, sometimes it's love, sometimes it's just attention. So yeah, that, that, those things kind of, kind of creep into the relationship and, and you bring in a third party to kind of dissipate some of the energy, but it really never works because you really need to talk. And I'll get this all the time. We have communication issues. Well, it's not really a communication issue. The sender says something to the receiver that they don't want to believe about themselves. My job is to help you to hear the message, because if you can't hear something from someone who lives with you 24, 7, 365, they're probably more accurate than people who are outside of your relationship who really don't care. You're only going to get this information inside of a relationship. Your family, friends, they're not going to tell you about your idiosyncrasies and your nuances, but somebody living with you will. 
I don't do that. What do you mean I don't participate in the second shift? When I come home, I, I help out with the kids. I cook. I clean. I, you know, no, you don't. You don't do any of that. So <laughs> <laughs> second shift is really important. So yeah. in terms of scripting, sex roles and all this stuff. You know, we're talking a lot about divorce here. And I wonder, do a lot of couples regret getting a divorce? The, the literature seems to suggest that 43% of couples within eight months of the divorce will regret getting a divorce. So once you're out of each other's space and, and, and some of that post-romantic stress disorder kind of wanes and you can see that you got divorced, a lot of people, and I've seen it quite a bit, uh, you got divorced for nothing. Mm-hmm. You got divorced because of some silly little issue that, you know, other than violence and sexual infidelity, if you're getting divorced for something other than that, then it's probably something that can, that is salvageable about the relationship. But everybody's got their feet kind of dug in and, and I don't want to move and I don't want to change. And, and, and here's where we start peeling back layers of what happened to you in childhood such that you have this sense of destructive entitlement that your spouse owes you mm. love and owes yeah. you acknowledgement and owes you recognition. Nobody owes you anything. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Something else I've been seeing lately is couples divorce and then they come back together. So they end up marrying again mm-hmm. after realizing that, hey, we could have tried to figure out our problems another way and divorce wasn't the solution. Yep, ninety. Uh, so over ninety percent of people who get a divorce never saw a counselor, therapy, nothing. They just pull the trigger, and so you, you got to know that when couples and, and I get a lot of couples, you know, you hear them arguing in the, in the lobby. So <laughs> yeah, start arguing, they age regress. They age regress right back down to the trauma, and 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 when they hit, you know. 13, 12, or 11, only this time they're big enough and bad enough to defend themselves. So if both parties are experiencing that, then what you get results in parallel escalation. They both go up at the same time. They start this pattern of trigger, trigger, up, 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 up. And then the pattern turns into a cycle and the cycle gets chronic. And then, you know, you're in a a marriage where it's it's kind of loveless and I'm just here because of the benefits. You know, I got a house, I got a car, you know, got benefits. It's it's, it's worth staying for that. And, and, And religious wise, you know, we don't, we don't believe in divorce. So ain't nobody in my family divorced. So I'll I'll just be here and be miserable. And just to be clear, I want to make it, yeah, I want to make it clear that we're not saying that all relationships are salvageable, right? Mm -hmm. There are some relationships where it does end in divorce and that's the healthiest route. Right, right. Usually domestic violence and and infidelity are the main culprits. But yeah, personal, well, I, I I do a personality assessment uh, at the beginning, I, and I love Myers-Briggs for that, and everybody thinks that it's not scientifically valid, but I think it's really valid if you agree with it. So I, uh, you know, so I'm an INFJ. When I look at the, the literature on INFJ, I'm like, yep, 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 that's me. That's yep. you. <laughs> yep, yep. And so once, once both parties agree about the Myers-Briggs, then it's like, okay, so let's see what we can do to, to kind of 
you know, uh, mitigate some of these personality differences. So yeah. I'm an introvert and you're an extrovert. That usually kind of balances out, you know, but, you know, you just have to find out what are those idiosyncrasies? What are those nuances of the relationship that will that will make it better? And most folks don't know enough about their family backgrounds to even delve into that. that that's a, that's a, you know, one of the things we do here is like, let's take a look at his childhood and see what happened. Because if you didn't get your needs met in childhood, you know, if you got married to get your needs met, then that that's, that's not going to last. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, another thing about couples in uh, coming to counseling or coming to um, even to see you as a relationship coach, the, is that they often come when they're on the last leg. They've gotten to the place where um, <clears throat> they feel like it's this is probably not going to work, but we're still going to go ahead and say we gave it a try by just trying for you know a, a few weeks or whatever. Um, and then they end up separating and, and then ultimately divorcing while they're oftentimes still in the blaming stage, right? They haven't stopped and taken a look at themselves and, and really um, taken a look at how their childhood hurts, their childhood traumas, their experiences with their families how those things are actually impacting their adult romantic relationships. So can you talk a little bit about that, Lynn? Well, it's, be, it's become, well, the, the, if the theory is correct that we seek after people, we seek after a partner who reminds us of the parent that gave us the hardest time, mm-hmm. that's not gender specific. I can be attracted to a woman who's like my father, God forbid. So... If I'm attracted to that, I'm trying to get something from this partner that I didn't get from my parents. Since, since my partner and my parent vibrate on the exact same level, then your brain sees that as an opportunity to, hey, this person vibrates on the same level. Let's go in and let's get what we need from them. And it, 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 it's usually kind of tragic because you can't get what you need from them. You've got to do the work. And so when I ask the question, how do you love yourself? I'm beginning to open up the process of coming out of that false role, which I bring into the relationship. Mm-hmm. I usually I'm going to find somebody who's going to accommodate my false role. So if, if I'm a caretaker, I'm going to find somebody who needs a lot of care. That way I can maintain my homeostasis. Nothing changes for me. Yes. It's going to arrest my development. I'm not going to grow emotionally. I'm not going to mature past that level because if everything is the same, then I was 14 years old when the trauma happened. And when I get married, I'm still <laughs> 14. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. an adult yeah. child and, and adult children get married all the time. Looking, <laughs> forward that, looking forward to get that fulfillment. But you, know, you hear people say it all the time. Oh, I feel like I've known you all my life. Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick your mama. You, you ain't do nothing but marry your mama. We're in the South, so you ain't do nothing but pick your mama. You ain't do nothing but pick your daddy. Look yes. like, talk like him, walk like him, act like him, same glasses, same skin tone, <laughs> hair, everything. Yeah. 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 And and then so often, you know, you have two people in the relationship and they're both coming from this space of hurt and they both have unresolved issues. And so you get them together and you put them in the same household. It's almost guaranteed to be toxic. It's, it's, it's going to be volatile. If, if they haven't done any of the work, you know, again, age regression, I think is a super duper culprit. 
I'm, I'm going to age you. If you trigger me just right, like we in a grocery store and you yell at me in the grocery store, bang, I'm going to go back to that time when I was four years old and my mama yelled at me in the grocery store and embarrassed me in front of all my friends. There's a part of your memory that has absolutely no sense of time. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. your brain is waiting to process that memory to try to resolve it. Mm-hmm. It's stuck at that level of trauma. Wow. And so it's an EFT, emotionally focused therapy, where we call it stepping on each other's wounds. So it's like we have these raw wounds and then your partner is stepping on it. And then there's this huge reaction. And we're wondering, like, all I did I was I forgot to wash the dishes. That was it. Why are you mm-hmm. reacting like that? Mm-hmm. Well, we're trying to get healing. Is it, that something is begging for for resolve, yes. begging for being healed? And here's the tricky part: the other person have the other person has exactly what I need to heal, but they can't give it to me because they didn't get it themselves, mm-hmm. and yes. vice versa. So right. we have the elements to heal each other, but we're not going to get off of those until we can have some type of secure attachment that you ain't going nowhere that you're all into this relationship that yeah. you know you're not going to take any you, you i can take the emotional risk to be in a relationship there you go with the emotional yeah. risk and that's love yes. yes so when it comes to individuals people who have divorced is there any hope Meaning, can exes ever get to a point of just positive communication and a healthy relationship after a divorce? Yes. And matter of fact, a lot of times they become better friends during the co-parenting. But as, as long as I was able to resolve the thing that broke us up, yes. if I'm still harboring that that sentiment, that feeling, that emotion, and emotion is energy in motion. So if I'm still harboring that emotion and, and, and I'm blaming you and, and you're blaming me, when it comes to co-parenting, it's, it's going to be kind of catastrophic. So if I can set aside my ego for one second and, and, and give to this child, because this child is half of who I am. The child's caught in the middle. I, I got these parents that are kind of you know, it's ice cold when you go up to McDonald's and do the exchange. Mm-hmm. It's just yes. ice cold. And a lot of times, the children will act to kind of move the parents back together. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Big, mm-hmm. they'll throw tantrums in school because right. the kid yeah. has figured out that I can get my parents back together. If I just go to school and act a fool, mm-hmm. then you know, both parents got to come in and you know, child's kind of manipulating things like this. It's real tricky when, yeah. when you got kids yeah. who, who really start to understand their role and they're trying to keep their kids always want to keep their parents together. Children deify their parents. You can't not do it. You're going to deify your parents, even though they treated you bad. You know, you know, well, dad dunked my head in the toilet stool, but I came out all right. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> but I think we also have kids who have the fantasy that if they did something differently, they can bring their parents back together. So yes. we have those kids who are acting perfect, who are hiding <laughs> their feelings um, because they don't want to be a problem. And they're hoping that if I am on best behavior and bring in good grades, then yeah. my parents will get back together. Yes, the children will take on the responsibility of the relationship and feel responsible if the parents split. Yeah. 
they'll try to own that. And it's like, yeah. what can I do? You know, so the, the, the caretaker starts caring more. The mm-hmm. religious one, the, reli- the religious kid, all these kids, you know, have a role. So the religious mm-hmm. kids gonna get more religious. The superstar kid's going to bring in more accolades. Uh, the, the angry kid is going to take all the family anger and express it someplace. And then the scapegoat kid will just, everything will be blamed on mm-hmm. this kid. Mm-hmm. This kid will take yes. all of the family issues and 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 leave. And and the truth is, as we're talking about kids, is that kids can still be well adjusted after a divorce, but parents do need to be intentional. They do need to keep the priority on the kids and less on their ego when trying to get back at the other person. Right. But a divorce doesn't mean oh my kids are ruined for life. It doesn't, but it's going to take work. Well, so here here so you've got two grown adult people with um with an inner child right mm-hmm. if i act out of my inner child so here's a grown 35 year old man with an inner child and a grown 35 year old woman inner child the inner child is the inner child is raising your five-year-old yeah see, see i can't yeah. you can't parent like that because right. it turns competitive mm-hmm. well, well when when i was your age i had to if I had said that my parents would have, what, what, the kid has no conceptualization of your past and doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, the, my inner child is now competing with my actual child. child. Yeah. 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 I love it when I when I'm talking to parents and 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 the light bulb goes off. I didn't realize I was doing that. Ah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. said some things right. my kids, I said I would never say because my parents said it to me. Mm-hmm. And I and I heard it come out of my mouth at my child, and it's like, can't believe it. I can't believe I said that. Can't mm-hmm. believe it did that. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, as we're talking about it, it just it reminds me how much people may need support in these moments. You know, and when they are going through a divorce, or when they recently went through a divorce, um, you know, they they can get the the coaching or they can get the therapy, but. I know that there's got to be other resources that are out there um, that are really uh, focused on trying to help people who are recently divorced or who are trying to figure out how to be happily divorced. You know, something that's dealing with co-parenting, healthy boundaries. What kinds of things can you uh, suggest, Lynn, that people look into? There are aftercare groups um, throughout the the city. There are workshops um, that you can attend. Uh, groups, workshops, uh, you're going to need support, family, friends mm-hmm. who are there. But but the, the 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 tendency is to take it on yourself because, number one, getting a divorce is shameful. So I'm, I'm, I'm least likely, to, I, you know, if I got embarrassed, if I got married in front of all my friends, yeah. and now I'm getting divorced, it's shameful. And mm-hmm. shame, shame is a driver of my behavior shame will control what i let you see about me shame will control what i see about myself so a lot of times i'll just slog right through you know i'll I'll do some things on my own i don't really want a lot of people in my business because it's shameful to me and shame's about exposure i don't want people to know this about me you know i'm hoping that my my divorce will just eventually fade to black and then I can kind of ease back into my family and friends and, and they'll accept it and I'll accept it. But it's really hard 
some people have a hard time letting others help them. Um, I'm, I'm so used to doing it on my own and, you know, I'm, I'm used to being really independent. So one of the questions I ask my couples is, what is your sibling position? Your firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn, they all have different characteristics. Mm-hmm. So I like to, in, my, in couples, I like to see that staggered. And so firstborn with a baby or middle with a firstborn. What I, I'm not crazy about is baby, baby, middle, middle, firstborn, firstborn. Firstborn, firstborn is a rank conflict and a sex conflict. I have younger brothers and sisters. I'm used to balling and shot calling. So I come into the relationship. I, that's my mindset. I'm, I'm, I'm balling, shot calling. If you firstborn, you're going to come into the relationship. <laughs> you kind of used to balling and shot calling too. So here we go with the conflict. Like who's going to be right? You all know. No, wait a minute. No, no, no. Just because you're a man don't mean you can. So we've got this rape conflict and mm-hmm. sex conflict. And so my question to my couples is when are you going to leave home? When are you going to be in this relationship? Because you you already put in your tour of duty for your family, right? And yeah. It's time to leave home so that you can be with the other person fully. You don't have to be a big ball of shot caller to be in a relationship. But it got internalized. That role is a false self. So mm. getting, getting people to give up that false self is yeah. a major piece of work that I help clients to achieve. So in terms of resources, right, a therapist or relationship coach um, could be very helpful. Um, Both Latoya and I are licensed marriage and family therapists, and this is one of our specialties. Um, I heard you say groups. I know there's a group called Divorce Care. That's a really good one that are in many communities. Sometimes churches have groups, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And just what I really liked about what you said, too, was just connecting to others, whether it's family or friends, find that support. Um, Also, there might be online groups too, Facebook groups that are just specific around this topic. And that can be very, very helpful. Yes. Um, It's so important. Yeah. Because that's the time you need the most support because you're, especially if you got divorced for nothing, if we stick with the 43% of people who regret it, Mm. they come to aftercare, you know, there's a lot of tears, there's a lot of, Mm -hmm. you know, bad feelings and, and and you know I wish I had a I wish I had a gone to counsel. I wish I had a gone to therapy. I wish I had a you know gotten a, into coaching and all of the regrets come up because you know all of those things that inhibited the relationship, all of the ghosts, I tell couples all the time you're fighting the ghost of your family. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I yeah. my uh my wife reminds me of my grandma. My grandma is the one who raised me. So when his wife says something, it triggers him like grandma and he does the age regression thing right down to, you know, now I'm big enough and bad enough to say something about it. So, you know, having support for that kind of trauma is really important, especially if you're in a room with other people. I actually thought about doing some online support with uh, people who are divorced and I'm like, should I do it co-ed or should I do it single sex? Because it's, it's different dynamics. It's really dangerous when you put co-eds in there, and, and and here goes those those feelings again. You we find that one that lines up on the frequency. So, I, I apologize. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So one of my favorite books that I like to use in therapy with my clients is a book called Rebuilding When Your Relationship Ends. 
And the authors are Bruce Fisher and Robert Alberti. This is a great book. Um, actually, know a therapist who does a divorce recovery group, and she uses this book as the um, foundation for her book for her group. Mm-hmm. And it comes with a workbook too, which I also do in my sessions. So the name of that is just Rebuilding When Your Relationship Ends. Um, sharing that for our listeners. Yeah. Thank you. Sharing that yeah. for me too. I'm writing it down. <laughs> yes. Lynn, are you working on any projects these days? Anything going on? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to put together a workshop on how do you love yourself? I, I think it's really important to begin to address, you know, those things that will facilitate your relationship. And in particular, the workshop is going to discuss the pillar. Now, Give you the 10 pillars real quick. So the first three are, are really critical. The ability to say no, establishing boundaries with reciprocity, uh, the ability to put yourself first, uh, making reciprocity a priority, the discipline of your inner child. So the discipline of your inner child, the only way to get out is to go back through. So mm-hmm. that's one of the things we cover in the workshop, the ability to leave home. Finally, honoring your body by listening to it. Apologize to your body. Uh, I've, I've had some sessions in which we can go through, uh, I need to apologize to my body, the things that I put in my body, you know, mm-hmm. the processed food, the junk, the sugar, um, creation of structure. Yeah. The ability to future cash will allow you to stop self-sabotaging your efforts if I can see down the road that if I take this action right now, it's going to affect me down the road. Mm. I don't want to sabotage myself, so I'm going to avoid that behavior. So future casting mm-hmm. and the the last, uh, well, the ability to trust yourself, keeping promises to yourself. You know, when you keep a promise to yourself, your brain goes, okay, all right. So if I say I'm going to lose weight. And, and and I put it off and I put it off and I'm, I'm going to get up a little effort and it fades. I get up a little effort and it fades. Your brain goes, you ain't really serious about losing the weight. So I, I break promises to myself. And so your word to yourself, man, if that ain't good, then what good is your word? Yep. So keeping promises to yourself is a huge, one of the huge things that I educate people. I do a lot of psychoeducation in, in the workshop. Uh, people just, just the basics of, you know, being in a relationship. I like the pillars that you shared, Lynn. I feel like those are all really good um, for building the foundation of starting the recovery process. And how do I really start to heal? And how do I really start to uh, look within myself? So um, my favorite was the ability to trust yourself. That's and then the ability to trust your body too. You know that's that's so important. Um, listening to your body and what is it that you need. And these are just things that are good for people to know in general for their soul care, as we say here at Soul Talk for Black Folks. Yes. Well, our last question for you is: um, Can you give us one takeaway that you want our listeners to keep? It's always hard to pick just one. <laughs> I know there were so many good There's nuggets so much. today. <laughs> oh wow. In the process of learning how to love yourself, it will reconcile a multitude of sins in your life. Uh, Because when I figure out my own frequency, 
when I figure out what it is that I love about myself, it'll make it easier for me to find that in a spouse that I want to be with. Because what you have to recognize is when when I, I, I ask this to couples all the time, when you look each other's eyes, do you see parts of yourself? The thing that the spouse falls in love with is the image that the partner has of them in their eyes. How do I look in your eyes? What I'm falling in love with with, with you is how do I look in your eyes? That's that's what I really fall in love with. And, and I don't want to mess that up. So, you know, that image is the reflection that comes back to me that tells me that all parts of me are okay. When that image gets distorted or distracted, when I look into your eyes and nothing comes back to me, it's going to trigger my attachment stuff. Mm. And so now I'm going to act out of, you know, my attachment style. I'm going to try to get my knees Mm. met instead of going inside and going, you know, I remember when my mom abandoned me. I need to get some closure to that and stop holding every woman accountable for my mom leaving mm. me. Mm-hmm. That is me loving myself. To, to go, the only way to go out is to go back through and, and look at what happened, look at the aftermath of what happened, and and begin to, you know, forgiveness and grace. And there's a difference between forgiveness and grace. Grace is I forgive you. You ain't got to do nothing about it. Um, uh, that is grace. Forgiveness is how are you going to restore me? So if, if I forgive you, okay, cool. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm up for forgiving you, but how are you going to restore me? That's mm-hmm. one of the things I ask because, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of lopsided. I, it, you, you did something to me. Okay. Either I give you grace and it, I'm not holding you accountable for it. If I forgive you, then you're going to have to talk about how you're going to restore me. Mm-hmm. So if you tore up my car, you're going to get me another car or, if you did something to me, you're going to restore. To forgive is to give as before. Yeah. Forgive. So if I'm going to forgive you, then we have to talk about how you're going to restore me. It's you know, it's so good to do this work um, before you get into another relationship because so often people go from one relationship that has ended with divorce and they jump into another one without really doing the healing. Yep. That's the monkey bar effect. I don't want to be by myself. So before I let one relationship go, I'm going to have another one firmly in hand before I let go. And then once I have this other one in hand, I can let the other one go. And that way I never have to be by myself. I never have to fear the the loneliness, the the, the emptiness, the who am I? When you're alone, your inner child is screaming at you for attention. Like, hey, Mm -hmm. here. Let's take this time to heal. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. So I'm just going to swing right into the next relationship. That way I have to think about it. I can distract myself. Yes. Yeah. That's going to catch mm. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the, only way, the only way to go forward is to go back in. I like that. Yeah. 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 A lot of people, and, and you have to put in some work. So uh, one of the things I do is I kind of like uh uh, a regression, a visual regression where you as your adult self and you as your child self, you go back and you confront the people mm. who did you wrong and you hold on to your child self and you say, you had no right to do that to me. I was a child. You yes. should have done this, that, and the third. I'm mm-hmm. taking back my power. I'm giving back your shame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My child self is going to walk out of that room 
your brain doesn't know the difference between what you project onto it and, and what actually happens. Yes. So you actually have a corrective experience just mm-hmm. by the projection onto your brain of going through that scenario and using that imagery. It's very powerful imagery. It is. My child self. And I always get a baby picture or, or something, or, or I got I got dolls. Yes. So I'll, I'll give the woman the doll coat. Of course, it's a black doll with the hair. Yes, <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thought of everything. So <laughs> you're going to take this, especially women who have mo- mother-daughter issues, uh-huh. and, and and the daughter takes on a lot of the mother's stuff or mm-hmm. absorb it. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Ah, wish we had more time. Lynn, thank you so much for being here. This was just a very vibrant and enriching conversation um our listeners are out there and i'm sure there are at least some of them that want to know how can we connect with him so where can our listeners locate you sure relationshipcoach.pro um the website's up it's running you can leave me a message in one of the boxes uh, and i'll i'll get back in contact with you mm, great and are you on social media do you have any instagram professional page or facebook i i i think i have an instagram page <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it's there it's not as okay all the other ones but yeah i have uh, instagram facebook twitter yeah all right well folks thanks for listening you guys already know this, but I'm going to tell you again, you can connect with us at soultalkforblackfolks.com. And we want you to come and join our Facebook community at Soul Talk for Black Folks. If you feel like your soul got fed today in this episode, we would love if you would like, subscribe, and leave us a review. It is very much appreciated. Until next time, this has been your soul sisters, Latoya and Sarah. Bye. Bye.